0: He's Hacker.
1: So much so that I had to ask around. I'm like, hey, I'm kind of a nice guy, right?
0: Hacker is an ass.
1: I try as I'm getting into my old age at 39 years old, try not to let things bother me. Just know that I'm ultra soft. And he doesn't shy away from opinion. See Baker Mayfield though, four passes. But uh, but I get to see this homeless guy return a ball for a touchdown. It's Hacker After Dark
0: on 1010XL.
1: And a very good Friday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us to close out the week in what is a very big weekend for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They go to Nashville on Sunday at 1 o'clock. They play the hated Tennessee Titans. Of course, they win Will bring a second straight AFC South championship, where a loss will more than likely end the Jaguars' season. So we got a ton to get into. We are loaded up guest-wise to talk about this game in hour number one coming up at about eight thirty-five or so. We will go to Nashville. My buddy Brad Steele is the host of the Two Tone Talk podcast. He is a self-proclaimed Titans super fan. Got quite a following from Tennessee Titan fans, and I want to gauge what's going on up in that area as they get ready for the Jaguars coming in on Sunday and what appears to be quite a lot of Jaguar fans making that trip to Nashville. Had some buddies out at the airport today saying there was a lot of Teal getting on airplanes heading to Nashville, Tennessee. Does not surprise me at all. The Jaguar fans, you guys have traveled unbelievably well with the team this year. So we'll talk about the Titans coming up at about 8.35 with Brad Steele, the host of the Two-Tone Talk podcast. Coming up in about 15 minutes, a little under, my buddy J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio. Of course, you'll hear him 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Jaguars Radio as the network pregame begins. You'll hear him all through the game on Sunday JP does a terrific job with the website and Jaguars Radio, and he's always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark, and that will come up in less than 15 minutes. But as we do every night to kick it off here on HAD, we give you a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now
2: time now for the big deal of the night what's the big deal?
1: What is the big deal? No, it is a big deal on hacker after Dark all off season all off season the AFC South was going to be the Jaguars division. once the season started week one the AFC South was going to be the Jaguars division and since week four That's a long time, 14 weeks, the Jaguars have either been tied or have been leading the AFC South. There's been a lot of ups. There's been a lot of downs. It has been a roller coaster of a ride, probably harder than most of us thought to get to this point. But come Sunday in Nashville, Tennessee, I believe once again the AFC South will belong to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Jacksonville beats Tennessee. I don't think it's going to be necessarily easy, but I think Jacksonville finds a way to get it done. I think we are celebrating an AFC South championship Sunday evening. I think it is the first time since 1998 and 1999 that the Jaguars will win back-to-back division championships. And I think come Monday, we are going to be getting ready for the Cleveland Browns coming to Jacksonville for wild card weekend. I think Jacksonville gets it done. I've been actually going back and forth all week. But the Jaguars, to me, are getting healthy at the right time. They're simply better than the Tennessee Titans. They have more to play for. And I think they will win in Nashville. You know, the injury report came out earlier today. Granted, there were three enormous names on it that are all listed as questionable. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Trevor Lawrence. But no one has been ruled out of the game that's not already on IR. The entire Jaguar starting defense is healthy going into this game. And... Doug Peterson said he expects Zay Jones to play, even though he's on the injury report. We'll see about Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence, but do you guys realize, potentially, potentially, if those three guys play, the starting 22 that we envisioned for the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into the year, the 11 starters on offense, the 11 starters on defense, will all be playing in week 18. How many NFL teams can say that right now? I can't imagine any others can. You're starting 22 from opening day, or I guess when Cam Robinson came back in week five, but he was going to be a starter before the suspension. You're starting 22 could all potentially be in there for week 18. There's no way another team can say that. I'd be shocked. As bad as the injuries have been, and we talked about this earlier this week, think about all the guys that have missed games this year. and It's a hefty list, man. From Trevor Lawrence to Christian Kirk to Zay Jones, Devin Lloyd, Devon Hamilton, Andre Sisco, Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, Cam Robinson, I mean, you go on down the line, DeWan Smoot, the Jaguars have been crushed at times with injuries this year. They have not been healthy for a large portion of this season. And yet, miraculously, here we are, less than 48 hours away from a must-win game week 18 to get into the playoffs. And potentially, you're going to have your starting 22 available for this game. That's amazing. Will that mean anything? I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting subplot, certainly. Obviously, timing has been off. Some of these guys are just now getting back out there. Like Christian Kirk, like Zay Jones. We'll see about Trevor. So will they be as sharp? Will they be as good as they would have been prior to injury? Probably not. But there's no way you can complain about injuries if your starting 22 from opening day is potentially out there week 18 and a must win. That is what you call good luck. It took a while to get here, and it didn't always seem like the luck was good. But now that we're here, You look at injury reports around the NFL. Tennessee has ruled out five people for this game. They have another five that are questionable. Jacksonville hasn't ruled out anybody, and three are questionable. That's amazing luck for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will tell you this, too. I told Rick this in the two-minute drill. I'm pretty excited about tomorrow night in the AFC South. We're going to talk to Ben Arthur who covers the AFC South for the NFL on Fox. He's coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. I love the fact we get Houston and Indy tomorrow night. That's terrific. And I think Indy's going to win the game. I know most people I've talked to like Houston. I think on paper, Houston probably has more talent. People are in love with C.J. Stroud, and for good reason. He's a great player, great young player. But Indianapolis is just an absolute giant pain in the – time is it? They're a pain in the butt. They're a pain in the butt. You think they're gone, and they just come back. They're like a bad rash. You think you finally get rid of them, and they just show back up, man. I think outside of San Francisco and Baltimore – I think Indianapolis has won, like, the most games in the last eight weeks. They're 6-2 and in their last eight games. And I think Gardner Minshew, yeah, that Gardner Minshew, and Indianapolis is going to find a way to get it done, and then they're going to sit back with their feet propped up and be absolutely gigantic Tennessee Titan fans on Sunday. Again, I think the Jaguars win the division. I think the winner of tomorrow night's game between Houston and Indy Get in as a wild card. And kudos to everybody in the AFC South. All the talk about how awful the South was, worst division in football. And there are still three teams left standing that are alive for an AFC playoff berth heading into the final week of the year. I believe two of those teams will find their way into the playoffs. Congratulations to Houston Houston, and Indy on great seasons. It's a shame one of them is going to miss the playoffs. That is a playoff game tomorrow night. The winner is in regardless, either as a division champ or a wild card, the loser is out. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a great weekend. Great weekend in the AFC South. Give me Indy tomorrow night. Give me the Jaguars on Sunday. And if that comes to fruition, that would mean the Cleveland Browns would come to Jacksonville. And I hope we're talking about this next week. I just want to lob this at you free of charge. Do you realize if it is Cleveland, they went to the playoffs in 2020, which was the COVID year, right? People couldn't go to the stadiums. The dog pound hasn't gone to a playoff game or been able to go to a playoff game since 2003. Isn't that right, Denmark, what we looked up?
0: Yeah, 03 season.
1: 03 And again, I hope this is a talking point next week, but I wanted to give you a little appetizer because I do believe we will be talking about this. The Cleveland Browns are some of the most passionate fans in the NFL. Outside the COVID year of 2020, they have not been able to go to a playoff game in two decades. You imagine that scene here in Jacksonville next week? And I hope we get there. That would be something. But he got to beat Tennessee first in Nashville on Sunday afternoon. I believe the Jaguars will. The head coach, Dave Campo, the pro bowler, Leon Searcy, and myself will indeed Have a fifth quarter for you. Two hours after the Jaguars and the Titans go final on Sunday. Live from Players Grill on San Jose Boulevard in Mandarin. And I believe we will be celebrating the second straight AFC South Division championship for your Jacksonville Jaguars. We will head up to Tennessee coming up in less than 25 minutes. Brad Steele, the host of the Two-Tone Talk Titans podcast to get the Tennessee side of this matchup on Sunday. Coming up next, my buddy J.P. Shatterick, Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk Titans. Let's do it with you next Friday night, Hacker After Dark, and we're glad you're with us here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
2: Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line.
1: Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us. The Jaguars and the Titans, Sunday at 1 o'clock up in Nashville. You'll hear it right here on 1010XL. A win for the Jaguars will mean a second consecutive AFC South championship. A man you'll hear on Jaguars radio this weekend. You also see him all over Jaguars.com is our buddy J.P. Shadrick, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. J.P., how you doing? Doing well,
2: Hacker. Been a little while, and uh, you know, the Jaguars have maybe, you know, turned the corner here. It was a tough month there for a while, but they finally got a win this past week and a good team victory against Carolina, and now. For all the marbles this week in Nashville, just like you want it, right?
1: Hey, JP, absolutely. And before we get into Jaguar talk, I wanted to commend you, man. I've told you this in the locker room this year. You're doing a lot more work nationally for, I believe, Westwood One and some NFL broadcasts. And I heard one of them and really enjoyed your work, man. So I wanted to let you know that. Really sounding sharp.
2: (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, Hacker. Yeah, it's been a fun year, man. I appreciate the Jaguars giving me a chance to – to kind of branch out a little bit and do some things and, uh, whenever I can get back in time for Jaguars work, it works out. So uh, a mixture of college and a few NFL games. So yeah, I appreciate that hacker. That's uh, a very nice compliment. Thank
1: you. JP Shadrick, Jaguars.com and Jaguars radio. All right. It was much needed. I'll be at Carolina and I get it. They're terrible, but boy, the Jaguars needed a win in the worst way, JP, and they got it in dominating fashion last Sunday.
2: Yeah, you know, that's what you're supposed to do against bad teams, right? I mean, that, this is this is the worst team in the league for a reason. We found out why. And, and this Jags team, no matter um, what it was on the schedule, you, you got to go perform and, and do it. And they performed and went out there and shut the door on defense. And the offense left some things out there still, obviously, with the backup quarterback and Beathard playing. But, you know, they left some red zone opportunities on the table there and got some field goals early. But it was the kind of game you had that feel early that, okay, Let's just get some field goals here. Get some, get some points on the board. And, and this is kind of how it's going to go today. They, they never really felt in doubt. So, fine. That was perfect. And just what they needed. Um, and, you know, they can control their own business now moving ahead. So maybe the defense is, has kind of figured some things out here. Obviously, Josh Allen had a big game. Three sacks. Trayvon Walker stepping up big. So, that's a good sign moving ahead uh, going into this last week. And, and on the offensive side, let's get some guys healthy. I mean, obviously, number one's a quarterback hack. So, you know, is Trevor going to be ready? And then are the receivers going to be ready? Zay Jones could get some more practice time. And they, they could even open the window for Christian Kirk, Doug Peterson said the other day. So, you know, that could change the whole dynamic this weekend in Nashville if they got the full arsenal.
1: You know, and certainly Carolina's never going to be confused for the greatest show on turf, but they did put 30 points on Green Bay, 300 yards passing for Bryce Young, leading into this Jacksonville game, and the injuries have been decimating to the Jaguars. I mean, just awful this year. But this is as healthy, JP, defensively as they've probably been, man. I mean, this is the Jaguar defense. They are remarkably healthy for this point in the year on that side of the ball.
2: And remember, you know, Two weeks ago now, the Tampa game, um, you know, it was the return of Cisco and Campbell, and they didn't really necessarily play that great. They were in the second half relegated to the bench again, it's just to kind of get their feet underneath them. And they came out last week and played better, right? So the secondaries out there. That's good news. And you're right, on the defensive line, they're pretty darn healthy. I mean, Devon Hamilton's back to health, and the rest of those guys are out there. and. Yeah, this is the starting Jaguars defense, and it's just a matter of playing together and, you know, and, and communicating. Uh, we've, we've heard that all year. We heard that week two and three, and they felt like they were doing a pretty good job of that, you know, stopping the run, taking the ball away. Uh, and then they went that in that little lull where guys looked a little lost at times. Um, so, and they lined up against some good receivers as well. So, maybe that's past them now, and uh, they got that out of their system, and they can finish strong against Tennessee.
1: J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. You also hear him all over Jaguars Radio here on 1010XL. 10, 10 you mentioned C.J. Beathard, and look, by no means am I saying Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Beathard, there's any question there. But what I will say about Beathard, J.P., is this. There were two plays in particular. I think Brian Burns was the result of both of them, where if Trevor was out there, I thought he might have fumbled the ball. Beathard did a great job tucking the ball away, getting to the ground. Sometimes Carolina is going to win a play. They did, but they didn't turn the ball over. And I think, you know, sometimes people try to make the NFL out to be uh, advanced trigonometry times 100 when sometimes it only needs to be algebra, right? You tackle, you don't turn the ball over, you take what the defense gives you, and that's exactly what the Jaguars did. And maybe moving forward now, maybe a light goes off in Trevor's head, you don't need the 35 yard seam route every time. You know, the eight yard down and out's fine as well. Better did that, and you see the results on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I wasn't good at trig or algebra, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, but I think um, you're right. And, and that's veteran play. I mean, you know, he understands his limitations, I think, probably as a quarterback, and he's confident in what he can do, but it's just going to be a different style than Trevor. And, and that's fine. Just protect the football, hand it off a lot, and. You know, throw it down to the guys that are open short. That's fine. You don't have to push the ball, especially in a game like that. You didn't have to push the ball down the field in the danger, and you just follow that game plan to a T. And to your point, yes, Trevor. You know, there's been that talk this year of hey, he can't can't hang on to it, or he tries to do too much in a big moment, and you know, especially around the goal line in the red zone you know, there's like hero football at, at moments, it feels like with Trevor, which is great because sometimes it works out well and he makes great plays, but other times it's a turnover or the, the catastrophe happens on offense. and Those have just got to go away. And there's a long stretch of those coming up. And, you know, that's the balance too with Trevor. How much of that is, you know, just trying to be a young quarterback up and coming and learning how much of it, is because he's banged up and playing through some things as well. Maybe a combination of both, in my opinion. But um, I'd rather, you know, have to say, whoa, than giddy up. Uh, so I say let it rip if you're Trevor, and because that's what got you this far anyway.
1: JP, on Sunday, two single-season records came town. And look, Evan Ingram and Josh Allen, you could argue both guys are the MVP on their respective sides of the ball. Let's begin with Evan Ingram, only the second Jaguar ever with 100 catches in a year. Jimmy did it twice. Nobody else has ever done it. And the stat that blew me away is Evan, I think, is the eighth tight end in NFL history to have 100 catches in a year, and that list is crazy. The company he joins, 104 grabs on the year going into week, Week 18 against Tennessee. What a year for Evan Ingram.
2: Well, and to this, Hack, I mean, he's only twelve catches away from tying Zach Ertz for the or the NFL tight end record in a single season, one hundred and sixteen, I guess, right? So, and he's done that before. We've known Evan to step up and have double digit catch games if they need him to, and uh, he's just over a hundred yards away from a thousand yards for the season. I mean, these are these are big time numbers. If it wasn't for Kelsey in the AFC. Uh, you know, he'd probably be in the you know in line for a pro bowl or, or that type of year, and he might still be anyway. I mean, let's just see how this goes down the stretch, but uh, well deserved. And you know what, hats off to him, right? Because last year was the prove it deal, he signed the contract big amount of money, and he's outliving the contract already. It's not even through year one. I mean, this is this is the perfect signing in free agency that these kind of guys don't come around all the time. And for him to develop and improve and continue to play at a high, high level is great for this franchise. That's a great sign moving ahead for Trevor Lawrence, too.
1: And the defensive side of the ball, we mentioned Josh Allen, an honorable mention to Trayvon Walker, who was also very good on Sunday. But Josh Allen, 16.5 sacks on the year, almost 30 years of Jaguar football, JP. I think you could realistically make the argument this may be the best defensive season a Jaguar football player has ever had.
2: Because he's dynamic in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, he, he's impactful in the, obviously the pass rushing game, um, you know, and in, in certainly in big spurts, right? He's he's had those multi-sack games. And then there'll be a few weeks where he doesn't have it or the circumstances aren't there or whatever. But he's always seems to be around the backfield. Like he's hitting the quarterback. He's among the league leaders in that department as well. Pressures, he's right there at the top of the NFL. And he's just a disruptive player. And, you know, there was the challenge. I remember early in the season, and it was on Jaguars Happy Hour Monday, we talked a lot with Baselli and Prisco about the lack of a game wrecker on defense. And I think that got heard. And I think Josh took that personally. I mean, this is true. I mean, he heard it, responded to it. It's been a motivation for him to be that game-wrecking player that the Jaguars did not have early in the season. And he stepped up to it in a big way, in a big moment, in a contract year, and uh, when the team needed it the most. So hats off to Josh. What a season, and let's just finish it off strong and a a good playoff run to go with it.
1: Final moments, J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars Radio. That brings me to this weekend. AFC South has been crazy the entire year. It's one of the most intriguing divisions heading into Week 18. Obviously, Saturday night's a playoff game between Houston and Indy. The winner is in. The loser is out. Now, the winner would get upgraded to a division winner if Jacksonville loses on Sunday. But, J.P., what do you make of the South, and how do you think this is going to play out on Sunday and, I guess, Saturday night for that matter?
2: Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, You know, Houston and the quarterback play that they have uh, delivered this year has been fantastic, obviously, when he's been out there. You know, C.J.'s – Stroud's playing fantastic football this year, and Gardner's kind of playing out of his mind. It feels like in Indy, and they've got a running game to go with it. Obviously, Taylor had a, a good game last week, so that's fine. Um, so for me, I think Houston figures that a, a way to win that. That would be a fitting end to what has been a, an incredible season down in Houston. To be quite honest with it, with a quick turnaround and a new coach, and everything that's come with that. Um, so that would be a, a a just finish, I think, for them. Now, for the Jaguars, it's just go handle business in Nashville. I mean, this is not a good Titans team. They're just trying to figure out the quarterback. Uh, it could be Derrick Henry's last game in uh, Tennessee. So, you know, don't let him get loose on you and, and be vintage Derrick again. We don't need that on the last game. And just handle the business. Um, you know, hold on to the football, move it, and uh, punch it in when you can. He should win the game. So, Uh, You don't want to have to be worried about losing this thing. Now, you'll know what the Steelers play on Saturday as well. You know, if they win, then all of a sudden the Jaguars will be out So if you're losing. So, uh, you don't want to be worried about scoreboard watching the Denver game and all these things later. Just go win the game, and then all of a sudden you'll host the Browns in the wild card round.
1: You know, it's amazing what one win will do. This time last year going to Nashville – it was all about the Jaguars hadn't won there in like a decade, right? 2013 yeah. or something. And then you beat the Titans in Nashville. And now we're not talking about that anymore. But the one thing I am talking about, JP, is two years ago, regular season finale. Indianapolis comes down here to play Jacksonville. Jacksonville was awful in 2021. Urban had already been fired, and they were just, it looked like, you know, playing out the stretch. Indy had everything to play for. And the Jaguars obviously beat them, and not only beat them, but put a number on them in Week 17 of 2021. About half of this roster was here. A little over half of this roster was here two years ago, even though the staff was not. I hope that's brought up time and time again this week because the Jaguars have been in this situation on the other side of it, and it'll be very curious to see how they handle it now, being the team that needs to win to get in.
2: I mean, it's a great point. Right, I remember, remember who was big in that game really for one of the first times was Trevor. That was kind of his big time, okay, now we've seen this. He can do this, and this is, this is the quarterback that you think of. So if anybody could bring that kind of thing up, it'd be him because he was the one that kind of led the charge in that game. So, yeah, don't be complacent about this one. This is the week to have every ounce of focus possible. Um, there's no distractions this week because if you are distracted, then you won't be playing next week. That's the bottom line. It's it's either uh, play a game in Jacksonville next week or go to Cancun. That's that's pretty much the standard, and that's what everybody's going to have to to think about going into this one. And they don't want to be part of a group that collapsed and missed the playoffs. Uh, you know, losing what would have been five of the last six if they dropped this game in Nashville. You don't want to be involved in that at all. That would open up a whole different box of discussions in the off season. So handle the business now, and I think they will.
1: It's a very big week. We'll have 12 hours of programming on Sunday, including the public's tailgate show with J.P. Shadrick and the crew beginning at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. J.P., not only on the radio side but on the dot-com side, what can people look forward to heading into this game against Tennessee?
2: we got a lot going on, obviously. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks on Wednesday afternoon, Jags AM Wednesday and Thursday with Brian and Kai Stevens and John Osier And then we've got a Weekend Review Pod on Friday. We've got the uh, Happy Hour Thursday, the Doug Peterson Show, 5 o'clock on Thursday on the network. So a full slate coming up, getting ready for this game in Nashville.
1: J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. Let's hope next week. We're getting ready for what appears to be the Cleveland Browns coming in for wild card weekend. JP, appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk soon.
2: All right, Hacker. See you soon, man.
1: Always appreciate JP Shadrick for joining us here on Hacker After Dark. And, yeah, 12 hours of programming beginning 8 a.m. Sunday morning. The network takes over with JP at 10 a.m. And then they'll go all the way to roughly 6 o'clock, including the game broadcast. And then we will have the fifth quarter. Dave Campo. Leon Searcy and myself, two hours after the Jaguars and the Titans go final from Players Grill in Mandarin out there on San Jose Boulevard. That's the Jaguar side. We've talked about the Jaguar side of this game all week. What about the Tennessee Titans side, 5-11, and 11 playing out the stretch? What are they talking about in Nashville leading into this game? Brad Steele is the host of the Two-Tone Talk podcast. And he joins me next to give us the Titans' perspective of Sunday afternoon with Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green, with you a Friday night in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're glad you're with us right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
2: Another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line.
1: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us, the Jaguars and the Titans, Sunday At 1 o'clock, of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. A win for Jacksonville will mean a second straight AFC South championship. A loss will end the Jaguar season more than likely. Stakes are very high in Nashville, Tennessee on Sunday. With that, I'm welcome in my buddy Brad Steele. He is the host of the Two-Tone Talk podcast covering the Tennessee Titans, and he is certainly a Titans superfan, and he's with us here on 1010XL. Brad, how we doing?
2: man, I'm doing great doing good had a had a good holiday uh, holiday season that we just came through uh, ready for the new year and uh, <laughs> as ready for the off season as I've been in a long time.
1: You know Brad, it's interesting. Keep in mind you're talking to people in Jacksonville, Florida. So for 13 out of the last 15 years, we know what you're going through right now mm-hmm. just waiting for the off season to get here. This is Uncharted Waters. For the Tennessee Titans, I think I saw a stat where last week's game was literally like the first game under Mike Vrabel where the Titans had already been eliminated in the regular season. They were either making the playoffs or still mathematically alive in every game Vrabel had coached up until last year. And you're going back all the way to 2018. I mean, how are Titan fans dealing with the, uh, I guess, the failure, the disappointment of this season?
2: Not well, (laughs) not well. I mean, I, I think, as you said, the last time that we were in this position, I think was 2015. So you're talking Marcus Mariota's rookie year, I believe. Um, And you know, a lot of people, you know how it is. I mean, when, when you have seasons like this, you've got one portion of the fan base that just wants to fire everybody and and start over, and then you have one portion who believes we're a piece or two away. I, you know, I, I think for me personally, I, I look at the Titans roster now. I mean, nobody has started more undrafted players this year than the Titans, nobody has played more undrafted people than the Titans. Um, so, this offseason is going to kind of tell the story of what direction we're headed in because we've got some money to work with going to probably have a top six, seven-ish draft pick to work with, and that's going to kind of tell the story about where we're headed uh, from here because the days of having a roster full of undrafted hard workers, um, that needs to be over, I'm afraid with.
1: (laughs) Brad Steele, the host of the Two-Tone Talk podcast, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Brad, say what you will about Mike Vrabel and about the Titans – but, man, they fight and they battle, and they've done that a lot this year. I understand they're 5-11, and 11, but they've been in almost every game. And then I go back to last week against Houston. That was very un-Titan-esque. That was very un-Mike Vrabel-esque. In fact, it looked pitiful, quite frankly, at some points for Tennessee. That's why, to me, and I'm telling Jaguar fans down here all week, that's not going to happen two weeks in a row. I think Tennessee's going to come out spitting nails this week because of what happened last week in Houston. Do you think I'm reading that correctly?
2: I think so. I think, you know, you hear a lot about tanking and trying to lose for draft picks. That's something that fans want, but you know as well as I do, not just for the Titans, but for every team in the league, you know, it's it's these guys' lives. You know, they, they put their body on the line every day. They're not going out there to lose. And uh, Vrabel is one of those guys. You know, I don't know if you saw his press conference a couple days ago, but I mean, he he used some language. He he, you know, in, in talking about why they need to win, he definitely said some said some things that let you know that he's going into this game pretty pretty fiery. You know, and, and wanting to win. And uh, you know, I think he is one of those guys where the team is going to adopt his mindset. So I I do expect them to go out there, especially, you know, that they play much better at home than they do on the road. Uh, This team does. And so I I would expect them to compete hard on Sunday. Um, I would expect them to, you know, last game of the season might get a trick play or two in there. You know, you're probably looking at Derrick Henry's last game as a Titan quite possibly. And so I think you're, you're going to, they're going to throw everything at the wall they can, uh, is what I'm expecting.
1: You know, and to the Derrick Henry point, again, we're big fans of him going to high school 30 minutes up the road in Yulee High School here in Nassau County. Had Derrick in studio many times during his high school career. Um, he's killed the Jaguars, Brad, in, in years. I mean, just absolutely annihilated Jacksonville. They could do a, an entire video of tributing Derrick Henry, but what he's done against Jacksonville in his Mm. career, but do you believe that this will indeed be his final game in a Titan uniform?
2: That's my gut feeling. I mean, I think that we know how it is paying running backs in the league now. It's hard for them to get the money they feel like they've deserved, but, I mean, I think he's probably going to test the waters. I mean, I think the only way he ends up back in Nashville is if he's just not hitting on anything. Uh, with any other team but I I think somebody will somebody will pick him up because you're talking about a guy who you know he just turned 30 today it's his birthday today and um, he's behind just a horrible offensive line and he still has had a thousand yard season you know so there's still something there it's not like this guy's just a total bum now so I think he'll probably find a home somewhere unless he just has a soft spot and wants to stay in Nashville to, you know, finish out his career over these next few years. But I'm treating it as though Sunday will be his last game as a Titan.
1: A couple more for Brad Steele, the host of the Two-Tone Talk podcast covering the Tennessee Titans. He's here with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville and Tennessee on Sunday. At one o'clock, Brad, when you look at the division as a whole, three teams at nine and seven coming into week 18, Tennessee at five and 11. How much does that add to the fan base's frustration that in year one of Shane Steichen and in Indy and D'Amico Ryans in Houston, they're both four games better than Tennessee this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Colts and the Texans are both better than the we thought they would be i mean i i knew cj stroud would probably be good but i mean that team as a whole is better than i would have thought and they're hurt i mean they're they're banged up and they're still winning and the colts are just you know they (laughs) they're they're so annoying as as i saw you said on twitter a couple weeks ago they just won't go away you know they're they're like that fly that you keep swatting at you know that won't go away and um That is something that I think, obviously, as a Titans fan, I look and I say, hey, this better be a good offseason. You know, you better make some big moves, and and Will Levis better be good, you know, because if not, if if things keep trending the way they are, and the Colts and the Texans and the Jaguars continue to be as competitive as they're being, you know, you could be in for a few few tough years coming up here. Um, So, yeah, I definitely – Concerned about what we're seeing out of them because it's they're probably a good four or five games better than I expected them to be.
1: What are your thoughts on Will Levis moving forward? Is he the guy in Nashville?
2: Uh, he better be. I mean, you know, I, they're not in a position to go another direction at quarterback this offseason, they've got too many other needs. Um, you know, they've you know, and I think he's probably he's shown enough that he's earned the right to prove if he is the guy next season and uh you know it's it's tough to get a fair um you know evaluation of him right now because you know the, <laughs> I I don't know if there are words to describe what the offensive line is like in Nashville. I don't know if there's a word in the dictionary that um Oh there probably
1: up. are a couple but you can't say them on terrestrial radio. Right. I
2: right, I know there's kids listening maybe <laughs> out there so I don't want to But, yeah, I'll just go with disastrous. I'll go with disastrous, especially the left tackle position. That's probably where the Titans will go with their draft pick in the first round. Um, You know, last week is a great example, though, against Houston. All week, fans were worried about putting Will Levis back in there because, you know, what if he sustains a type of injury that, you know, sets his whole career back? You know, we see that happen to players all the time. And sure enough, the second quarter, it ended up not being a serious injury. But, I mean, he got walloped pretty hard by a guy who just ran free right at him. And, you know, I I would rather (laughs) – if that's going to have to be our quarterback going forward, I would rather play it safe and, uh, you know, keep him upright. But, um, you know, I I like Levis. I like what we've seen from him so far. Uh, Probably a lot more good than bad, um, keeping in mind he's a rookie and – and so I'm, I am excited about him going forward, but, uh, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of changes made around him.
1: And we'll see what the Titans do at quarterback. It's interesting at the time you and I are speaking, we still don't have clarity on either team starting quarterback on Sunday. It could be C.J. Beathard or Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill, although the vibe I'm getting is, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Brad, it appears Tannehill on Sunday. Would that be your guess?
2: That's that is my guess.
1: Yeah, because again, I mean, you mentioned that offensive line. I want to talk about the spoiler role as we wrap up in a moment, but the offensive line's got to figure out how to block Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a Josh Allen that is going to know what T.J. Watt did on Saturday. Trey Hendrickson of Cincinnati is gonna be playing at the exact same time. I mean, for a sack record, right? and Josh Allen's going to be the only guy on Sunday playing with a playoff spot on the line. Again, Hendrickson, I imagine, will go hard, but they're not in playoff contention. So depending on what T.J. Watt does on Saturday, Brad, you might have a very motivated Josh Allen to get that sack record, and Trayvon Walker has been coming on as of late.
2: All all I'll say is this. (laughs) Josh Allen, the quarterback, the, the Buffalo Bills quarterback, I saw this stat yesterday, He's been sacked 21 times this season. The Titans' left tackle position alone has given up 25. Mm. So that's where we're at. (laughs) So I I would say between having the playoffs on the line and and that record being on the line, I would say there will be a very motivated uh, defensive line for the Jaguars on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and then then that goes to the spoiler roll. And I've talked to a couple of your your colleagues, if you will, in the Titan fan base, Titan media in the Nashville area this week. Mm-hmm. And it's all about knocking off Jacksonville, ending their season like Tennessee and or like Jacksonville ended Tennessee season a year ago. And I think there's some merit to that. I don't think that's obviously just talk. I do think there is something to that. But at the end of the day, if you don't block and tackle and and, and play good football None of that matters and I'm just curious with all the guys the Titans have put on IR, do they have the simple talent enough to beat Jacksonville on Sunday?
2: And and I honestly in my heart of hearts, I I mean they've got like you said earlier, they got a lot of guys that are going to play hard. There's no doubt about that, but you know, there these last couple of weeks with with all of the guys we've put on IR because this, you know, playoffs are out of reach. There are guys making tackles sometimes that I don't know who they are. I mean, you know, these are guys that we just signed this week to get to fill the team, you know. And um so I I mean, I you know, they hung in there with Seattle a couple of weeks ago and Seattle could very well be a playoff team. Um obviously Houston was a different story. I think if there's going to be a spoiler and uh, to give the Titans an upset, I mean, you know, the guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry, I mean, those are the guys that are going to – they're still playing. You know, Denico Autry has had a spectacular season for the Titans. He'll still be in there. But even then, I don't know if that's enough to overcome a secondary full of guys who would not start anywhere else in the league and offensive linemen who would probably – some of them not even make the roster anywhere else. Um, my, I, I would say – this is a situation where if the Jags lose, I, I, I would be very surprised. Very surprised.
1: And I would tend to agree with you, although Nashville has been a house of horrors for the Jaguars up until sure. last year. I think they would lost like eight in a row before last season. Brad, leave us with this. Again, Brad Steele, host of the Two-Tone Talk podcast, talking Tennessee Titans. Uh, a win on Sunday for Tennessee, uh, essentially ruining Jacksonville's season. Would that make up for the season to this point for the Titans?
2: Uh, for me, no. I mean, I think when you, when you go into a season, you're, you're hoping for, you know, you're hoping to be competitive and to be in the hunt at least till the end and, and stuff like that. And and obviously with the Titans, you know, since 2015, we have been in the hunt up until the end, if not in the playoffs. So, I mean, beating the Jags, um especially if pittsburgh wins saturday you knock the jags out of the playoffs you know there will be some people who are good with that i i can still look at this team and the offensive performances that i have seen this season and i mean that two ways the offensive and the offensive performances that i've seen from the titans this year i don't know if you can quite make up for all of that um but, you know, it, it might soften the blow for some folks. It might, uh, at least in the season, on somewhat of a good note, I reckon.
1: We know Tennessee starts the vacation on Monday. The question is, will they take Jacksonville with them? Brad, what's your thought on the game? Who wins?
2: Oh, I, I, I'm going Jacksonville. I think there's just too much at stake. I think, obviously, with Indianapolis and Houston both, playing each other so one of them's got to win and uh, they'll be breathing down your neck and if pittsburgh beats baltimore's backups you know the stakes are just too high for jacksonville and i have to believe doug peterson who has i mean been around the block and and you know things have not been great for jacksonville over the last month but i gotta believe with all of that on the line against this team jacksonville should should pull it out for sure
1: Hey, Brad, give your podcast a little bit of love. Now, I know here in Jacksonville, not a lot of love lost for the Titans, although I think your podcast, and I tell you this, you do a great job with it. It's an interesting way for Jaguar fans to kind of stay up to date on what Tennessee fans are thinking up there in the Nashville area. Where can people find that podcast?
2: Well, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. And especially on YouTube. I mean, YouTube um, is, is where I'm really trying to build up. You just look up Two-Tone Talk. I uh, do episodes every Monday and Friday. Um, and so I'll be doing one Monday after the game, whatever happens. And uh, you can go over there, and I'd appreciate it if you'd sub and, and uh, check out the pods from the past. There's some funny stuff on there, especially, you know, Jaguars fans will probably enjoy the episodes, you know, after a loss to the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, I'm about to say there. I might
1: be in a couple of those podcasts of memory. Serves. You are.
2: You are, man. We have we have a good time picking with each other on there, but it's all in good fun. You know, there's no this isn't one of those where we get on there and actually, you know, get personal with each other. We just keep it keep it lighthearted and just talk about our teams. And uh so yeah, I'd appreciate it if anybody would go look it up Two Tone Talk Podcast.
1: Brad Steele. Brad, you're a good friend. You do a great job with that podcast. Appreciate you, my man. We'll do it again sometime this offseason, bud.
2: I appreciate it, man. Happy
1: New Year. Hacker
0: After Dark on 1010XL.
1: 9 o'clock hour has arrived. Hacker After Dark, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We will take you up to 10 o'clock this evening. Coming up in about 30 minutes or so, Jason Cole. Has covered the NFL for many years. He is a pro football Hall of Fame voter. We'll let you hear Jason's thoughts not only about the Jaguars and how he feels the AFC South will play out this weekend, but about Fred Taylor. He'll be one of the guys in the room voting for the Hall of Famers in about a month's time. So you'll get an interesting perspective on a Hall of Fame voter's thoughts on Fred Taylor's candidacy this year. So Jason Cole comes up in about a half an hour. Coming up next, Ben Arthur, FoxSports.com, the NFL on Fox. He is their AFC South reporter. We'll certainly spend some time on Jacksonville and Tennessee. But again, I want to talk Houston and Indy tomorrow night. What a weekend it's going to be in the AFC South. That's what Ben Arthur covers for the NFL on Fox. And he will join us coming up in less than 10 minutes. A Friday evening in Jacksonville, Florida, before what is sure to be a big football weekend. And we're glad you're spending it with us. With Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Titans, Sunday at 1 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear it right here on 1010XL. A win for the Jaguars means a second straight AFC South championship. A loss for the Jaguars more than likely means the end of their season. It is going to be a crazy weekend in the AFC South, of course, with Indianapolis and Houston having essentially a playoff game on Saturday night. Let's talk about all of it with my friend Ben Arthur. He covers the AFC South for FoxSports.com and the Fox Sports app, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. 10, 10 ben, how you doing? Doing well,
0: Ryan. How are you?
1: Ben, we're good. Boy, what a weekend for you as a guy that covers the AFC South. The fact that it's come down to this, arguably the most intriguing division this weekend in the NFL is the AFC South. Yeah,
0: who, who would have thought, right? I mean, I, I know we've talked about this before on the show, just um, you know how, how we didn't kind of expect how the, the division is shaped, how it has. I mean, I think coming into the year, we all expected the Jags to, to be up there. I mean, we, we all basically had them as the top team. And then we thought, I guess many of us thought the Titans would be kind of that number two team with expectation that the Colts and the Texans would be more of in rebuild mode. But as it turns out, the Titans are by far the worst team in the division. We're not even talking about them really. And, and we have three 9-7 nine, nine teams in Indy, Houston, and Jacksonville—the way J- the Jags have kind of stayed in first place—is not how we would have envisioned. Right with kind of falling apart in December uh, until uh, th- this past week, um, and, and then Indy and, and Houston kind of being th- these upstarts, and with what CJ's done with Houston, and then with the Colts, despite all the issues they've had, what they've been able to do under Shane Steich, and so. All that has led up to this weekend, and yeah, I'm, I'm just as fascinated as everyone else to see how all this ultimately shakes out.
1: Ben, let's begin on Saturday night up in Indianapolis. It is a playoff game between the Texans and the Colts, and what's interesting is Saturday night, the winner of that game knows they're going to be in the playoffs. What they don't know is whether they're going to be a wild card or a division champion. That information will not come until Nashville on Sunday but D'Amico Ryan's versus Shane Steichen. Let's begin there. Great head coaching jobs. Do you think one maybe over the other in coach of the year voting, or are they both about on the same level for you? Um, I, I
0: think for me, I would I would give Shane Steichen the advantage because. I think, for, for one, they've dealt with much more adversity personnel-wise, right? I mean, Anthony Richardson has been out for the year since week five. Jonathan Taylor has missed several games, being in and out of the lineup, kind of struggling to get him going at times. He still hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game this season. Right tackle, Brain Smith has been in and out. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. has has missed a game, Uh, You know, having to play with kind of ride the highs and the lows of of Gardner Minshew, having all the secondary issues that they've had and still being in the position they are nine and seven and being one of the top scoring teams in the NFL. I think that's probably the biggest surprise because of a a lot of those offensive issues. I I just mentioned just the fact that they have, you know, for for most of the year, been a, a top 10 scoring team. With you know Shane's ability to kind of adjust on the fly, like completely change the offense to cater to Gardner Minshew's skill set, um, I, I would definitely give the advantage to him. I mean, that's obviously not to say D'Amico hasn't done a, a great job, um, but I, I think the Colts have just done have ha- had to deal with a lot more, and they have a much more flawed team. And so the fact that I think they are at this point is probably a little more impressive to me.
1: You know, Ben, for me, again, Ben Arthur, FoxSports.com and the Fox Sports app covering the AFC South. Ben, for me, it comes down to home field advantage, right? I just think Indianapolis at home, I give them the edge in this game. Saturday night, that dome will be unbelievable. I can't remember the last time the Colts have been on a prime time atmosphere like this at home with this much on the line. Houston, a very young team coming in. I'm I'm wondering how they're going to respond. And I mean, if the game was in Houston, I might think the Texans, been, but because it's in Indy, I'm probably leaning Indy. What's your thought there? Yeah, I,
0: I do think that's a good point, Ryan, and I think Indy does have some more experienced players, right, in, in key roles when you think of – Gardner Minshew, who's been around the block for a minute. Jonathan Taylor is a veteran running back. Michael Pittman Jr. is a veteran wide receiver. Uh, you know, Then on the defensive side, they have guys like Zaire Franklin and uh, Kenny Moore, who who's probably going to play. And, of course, DeForest Buckner, who's been one of the best defensive tackles in football for years. They have all of these guys who've kind of been around for a minute, even if the Colts haven't necessarily had – playoff success or whatever so that that does give them advantage in front of their home crowd and, and then you, you look on the flip side with houston uh you know a lot of their best players are in their first second or third year right and, and that starts with cj stroud who's uh never really been in this situation uh and, and then will anderson you know the really good ro- rookie pass rusher and and so yeah i think that is you know you do bring up a good point i I don't know. I'm just kind of at a point where you can't really ever count out C.J. Stroud. Just, and, and again, he hasn't been in this kind of game with this kind of stakes at the end of the season with the playoffs on the line. But we've seen throughout the year just him being able to put the Texans on his back regardless of the issues they're having around them, whether it's with the O-line or the run game isn't get going, getting going or their defense is letting them down. We've seen C.J. lead these game-winning drives, put them on his back, inspire confidence within the whole team. So I I never want to count – I don't want to count C.J. Stroud out because he is definitely one of those rare quarterbacks. But, um, but yeah, you do bring up a good point. I I would – maybe lean a little bit towards Indy just in, in the fact that they do have a lot more experienced guys who've been in more situations like this.
1: Again, the winner of Indy and in Houston Saturday night knows they will be in the playoffs. The question is, will they be one of the wild cards or will they be a division champ? Ben, that brings us to Sunday in Nashville. Here's my trepidation. I've been saying this all week about this game. The, say what you will about the Titans and Mike Vrabel. They've had a bad year, but they normally compete. They normally battle. And last week against Houston, that was awful. I mean, that, that was an yeah. awful performance. 26-3, they got basically embarrassed. I don't think that's going to happen two weeks in a row. Whether you call it circle the wagons, question the, the pride in the locker room, whatever Vrabel needs to do. I think he's going to do. You saw him have some fire at a press conference earlier this week, talking about how much he hates losing. I think Jacksonville, Ben, is going to get Tennessee's best shot, however good it is. It's a bad roster, but they're going to get the best shot the Titans have on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I I can't remember the last time I saw the Titans. And I've I've covered the Titans for a little while now, right, before Fox, covering them as a beat reporter for, for the Tennessee and, and I can't remember a time where they just had like a completely awful game. And then they responded with, with another, just totally awful game, right? Usually they'll compete, um, and, and keep it close. They might not win the, in that second game, but, but they definitely compete. As you said, they're not the type to just roll over. And, and, and these are NFL players, right? They, they have a lot of pride. They want to head into the off season, uh, with a win and i think whenever you can play spoiler at the end of the season um that that can get guys r- really fired up I, I mean we saw what what the jags right did uh to the colts a couple years ago where it seemed like the colts you know that they would just kind of get into the playoffs and then the jags upset them um and it was it wasn't close if i can recall and they sent carson Wentz to those colts home Um, And they, you know, sat home for the playoffs. And so I I definitely expect them to fight. I mean, Rabel has said like he he doesn't like all the kind of veterans and whatnot that they're going to be playing. He he said they they kind of have earned the right to finish the season. Um, And so. So, yeah, I I expect this to be a battle, you know, for for the Jags case. I I hope they're ready to play. I mean, with the way this end of the season has gone, you don't really know what to expect from them. Of course, they got a much-needed victory over the Panthers, but at the same time, it was the Panthers, right? And they're really, really bad, have all these issues. And and so, and, and like, are, are they going to be completely locked in? Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest question because we've seen so many times this season where they haven't in, in games where... Th- they should they they really should have right and it seemed like they had everything in, in in their favor and they just needed to get a win to to kind of build on on top of that and then they kind of lose or they, you know these lapses or, or these turnovers and plus territory and this and that in the third so uh, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how they respond but as you said Ryan I don't expect these Titans to roll over I expect them to want to play the role of 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 a spoiler and and get into the off season just with a good taste in their mouth. Uh, And and I don't think they wanna go the entire season without winning a division game, right? They're 0-5 in the AFC South. I can't remember the last time an AFC South team didn't win a division game. I know it's been several years um, and and I I know the Titans don't wanna have that distinction. So um, I, I I know for a fact the Titans will come ready to play Um, I I don't know if if you can say the same about the Jags, but, but I think for their case, it is good. Like literally as we're talking, Christian Kirk was just designated to return to practice. And so, um, I, I think from their offensive standpoint, if they can get him back, if Trevor's shoulder is right, if he can play, you know, all those things, uh, can, can be in their, um, in their favor. But, um, but yeah, I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see how they show up on, um, on Sunday.
1: Final moments with Ben Arthur covers the AFC South for Fox Sports.com and the Fox sports app. I do think playing the role of spoiler Ben matters to an extent. Um, but when you're the Titans offensive line, they're awful. All right. Yeah. <laughs> give, give them bulletin board material. Tell them a radio host in Jacksonville saying it, whatever. They are awful and Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker are playing some of their best football. So I think the spoiler role only goes so far. And I'll tell you, Ben, in a weird sort of way, and I'm curious your opinion, I almost think this is a good thing the game is in Nashville. Remember last year, Josh Dobbs came in here. He was on the team for like 12 days. Everybody thinks the Jaguars are going to kill him Saturday night in Jacksonville. And Tennessee was leading that game with two and a half minutes to go. All the pressure – was on Jacksonville. They get out of here. They go to Nashville. A lot of the guys on this team have not done well in that stadium. It's been a house of horrors up until last season. In a weird sort of way, Ben, I think it's a good thing the Jaguars are on the road this week.
0: Yeah, no, no I think there's that's definitely a a, a fair point. Um, I think uh, I, I think for for in the Titans' case though. Um, they, they have, I I mean, you, I think, I think you brought up a a good point in, you know, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and, and what they've been able to do. Um, but look, there, there have been games where the Titans O line, they, they have played well, like that. They were able to, I I know the Dalton, the Dolphins are somewhat of frauds in that, you know, they may have this great record, but, but they haven't really shown up against good teams, but, but they, went in there on, on Monday night football to Miami and and was able to um, you know, to beat them, right? And so um, I think if you if we get too caught up with kind of like the on-paper stuff, like, oh, like that they should, you know, be, be able to dominate and um, weird things happen, right? Especially at the end of, end of the season. And I mentioned that Colts-Jags game a couple years ago. And, and so I, I do think we need to keep, uh, a, a note of that, and and um, but but yeah, for, for the Jags, I, I think this is g- going to be a good test for them. Um, like I, I think if they could go in here and uh, you know come to Nashville and, and get a victory, like like you said, um, a place that a lot of the guys on that team up until last year haven't had a, a whole lot of success, um, and and kind of get that good feeling heading into the playoffs um, on the road where they've actually played their best ball this season, right? Like they haven't, how how many games have they won in Jacksonville this season? I think four.
1: They've won three. They're three and five. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, they've actually been their best on the road this season. And you know, the way it's playing out, like if they do, if they do get in and and try to make a run, they'll play most of the games on the road anyways. And so, so, yeah, um, I think this is going to be, a, a, you know, an interesting battle. And um, I guess, yeah, man, I'm just kind of excited to see what happens. I mean, everything on paper and, and all that says that the Jags should win. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't want to overlook these Titans, you know, kind of going in into the offseason. And so that's kind of my two cents.
1: Ben, we got 60 seconds to go. What happens in both yeah. games? What's your uh, predictions?
0: I say the Texans go to Indy and, and, you know, get the upset. I don't know if that's really an upset, so to speak, but um, I think C.J. Stroud, uh, he shows us, again, why he's – a future well he is kind of a superstar already but but that he's going to be one of the faces of the league in terms of quarterback play um and and get the victory in in Indy um so I would say Houston in a close one against the Colts and then I'll give the Jags the edge in in Nashville I think the Titans as I said I think they'll make it close I don't think they'll win um, but I think the Jags will, you know, that the Jags will get maybe the narrow victory. So, so the Jags is the AFC South champ, and then the Texans as the wild card. Um, so that's my prediction, man.
1: That'd be a lot of fun for you covering the AFC South with two teams getting into the AFC playoffs. Ben Arthur, FoxSports.com and the Fox Sports app. Ben, I know it's a very busy week for you, man. Thank you for taking time out. We'll talk again soon.
0: Sounds good, Ryan.
1: Thanks again for having me. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Titans, Sunday at 1 o'clock. A win for Jacksonville gives them their second straight AFC South championship. A loss probably means the end of their season, which would be awfully, awfully disappointing based on where they were just a month and a half ago. Having us said all that, let's get to our friend Jason Cole. Has covered the National Football League for years. He's also a pro football Hall of Fame voter. We'll certainly get to that in a moment regarding Fred Taylor, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Jason, how you doing? I'm
3: fantastic. What's going on, Ryan?
1: Hey, Jason, always appreciate the time. All right, the last time you and I talked, all was right with the Jaguars, right? They were 8-3. and three. Things were looking great. Then they lose four in a row. They finally get back on the winning track against Carolina, but they've complicated things. Jason, they're now in seemingly a must-win situation on Sunday in Nashville to get into the postseason.
3: Yeah, this has been an awkward season. Even when they were eight and three, I ha- I was having a conversation with Tony Baselli, and I said, you know, that defense is just not really good enough. Um to be a serious contender. And the entire season, if you look at what – I pay attention, a lot of attention to what I like to call yards per play differential. And that's the average number of yards that your, te- your offense gained versus the average number of yards your defense allows. And the entire season, the Jags have been either right at zero or even negative, which is they're allowing more yards than they gain. And it just tells me that defense is not – good enough yet. Along with the fact that, look, there are some problems on offense too. As talented as Trevor Lawrence is, this has not been a step forward for him this year. I mean, there's there's some flaws in his game, which you know we can talk about a little bit more extensively in a second. But overall, the, the biggest disappointment to me is just how active they are or not active, inactive they are on defense. They just don't make enough plays. I know they had a lot of turnovers early. But turnovers come and go. That's, that's hard to live on turnovers for an entire season. You have to be fundamentally sound, and with your basics, and I don't think that they are right now.
1: You know, it was interesting. And, again, Carolina, obviously, they're not very good. That's why they're 2-14 and 14 right now. I'm not breaking any news there. But C.J. Beathard, by no means is he Trevor Lawrence, but he took what Carolina gave him on Sunday, and he didn't turn the mm-hmm. ball over. And, you know, sometimes a five-yard down and in is Okay. You don't need a 30-yard seamer out that gets intercepted. You get a couple five-yard down and ends, that's just as good as a 30-yard seam route. And maybe Trevor on the sideline, Jason, watching that, maybe that registered to him because he's taken too many deep shots that have ended badly, and he's not gone underneath. Bethard went underneath on Sunday, and that worked to the Jaguars' benefit.
3: I, you know, there's some of that. I mean, I didn't watch that game that closely. I was watching some other games that I thought were more compelling, obviously. Um. So I'd have to analyze that. I expect Jacksonville to win just because Carolina is so bad, right? But when I watch Trevor Lawrence play, I, I, number one, they need a legitimate number one receiver. You know, Ridley has proven that he's not a legitimate number one receiver. He's a he's fine player. He's a good number two. You know, they have depth at the position. They don't have a star quality guy. So number one, you got to get him some help. Number two, there are just times where I don't think he realizes where he is at a ga- in a game. And I think it speaks a little bit to what you're talking about. It's taking shots that you don't have to take at certain times. Um, and, and, you know, the, the analytics people will say, look, it's really hard to piece together a drive with one five-yard gain after another after another because you eventually put yourself in a bind if you make one mistake. That's true. So you have to have – A healthy number of big games big games big plays along the way you know to make your your offense work at the same time you have to know when you want to take those shots and there was an interesting story I was listening to another podcast with Todd McShay and Todd McShay was talking about the year that Trevor Lawrence came out and he talked to an assistant coach from another team who interviewed Trevor Lawrence and the remark was you know, Trevor's – everything about Trevor is fine, but he did something interesting during the interview with that team. They asked him to recall a specific play and what happened on that specific play when he was at Clemson. And Trevor couldn't recall the play, you know, didn't know the circumstances. Well, when you talk to really great quarterbacks and you ask them, okay, you're facing that third and ten you hit this, what was going on? You get extensive breakdowns from guys of, yeah, I remember this, 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 and this happened on that play. The reason I threw it here was this. Guys remember stuff really clearly. You know, the really, truly great players. And Trevor is should be on the path to being a really, truly great player. That was the expectation when you took them. And they see everything, number one. They can recall it number two really well, because the importance of the recall is when you face the situation again, because you inevitably face situations again, that are always unique. What are you going to do the next time you face the same situation? And whether you learn something from the previous situation, or whether you didn't learn anything from the previous situation. And the fact that Trevor doesn't recall that stuff, it doesn't make him stupid. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't make him lazy. <laughs> but it's just different than what your normal, great, great quarterbacks do. And it makes you wonder, okay, you know, what's going on here that he doesn't remember this stuff and doesn't recall it and doesn't, you know, it doesn't come to his mind the way it does for others. And if that's who he is, how do you work with that? How do you make, how do you make a guy who's like that a great player? Um, Because, He's not going to be necessarily like Peyton Manning, even if he has the physical tools to be everything that Peyton Manning was.
1: It's interesting, and people have questioned his football IQ a little bit. There was that situation with Baltimore at the end of the first half. That was just a terrible sequence where the clock ran out on them. Different things have happened this year like that to Trevor and the offense. Jason Cole has covered the NFL for years. He is a pro football Hall of Fame voter. He's with us here on 1010XL. Jason, before I get to the AFC South, I want to get a quick thought from you on Evan Ingram. Uh, Only the eighth tight end in the history of the league, which that's crazy to think about, that has 100 catches in a single season. He joins Jimmy Smith as only the second Jaguar to ever do it. He's got 104 grabs with a game remaining on Sunday against Tennessee from a bust in New York, and I had Giants fans laughing at me when the Jaguars signed Evan Ingram to now one of only eight tight ends to catch 100 balls in a single year. What a transformation for Ingram here in Jacksonville.
3: The kid's play to the money. You know, he signed a big contract, and he's he's produced. So as a fan, you can't ask much more about it for a guy than to do that, you know, to, to come in. And I'm not saying it's rare, but it's not the norm. In football, normally guys sign big contracts, and you're sort of lucky if they play to the league average because, you know, guys get hurt, they wear down. You're usually buying free agents at the peak level of performance, things like that. Instead, you know, he's making good on the contract. So give that kid a lot of credit. you got a building block to work with going forward. That's exactly what you wanted at that position. And I would still be looking to take another tight end as a compliment to Evan Ingram because I believe in the importance of tight ends in any offense. And I think that Doug Peterson, based on his experience in philadelphia and how they used tight ends there probably agrees with that so but i'm not talking about taking a star tight end you know they need a star wide receiver but a capable tight end who can give you a lot of good combo block you know good a good combo blocking and receiving
1: And Ingram has been vital this year with the injuries to both Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. All right, Jason, that brings us to this weekend. Hard to believe that you could argue the most intrigue in any division when you have three or more teams left competing for the division championship may come in the AFC South. We got the Texans and the Colts on Saturday night in a game that's a must-win for both. The winner is in the playoffs, and the winner then will prop their feet up on Sunday and hope that Tennessee can knock off Jacksonville and then they would win the AFC South. Meanwhile, the Jaguars control their own destiny for an AFC South championship. Titans looking to play spoiler there. What have you made of the AFC South, and how do you think it all shakes out this weekend? Look,
3: I thought that this was a division that Jacksonville was going to control for some time to come, Um, you know, at least the next three to four years. The whole thing has flipped around. Stroud... In Houston has been great. The coaching in Indianapolis, despite losing Richardson and having to go with Minshew most of the year, has been terrific to make them competitive. Tennessee is obviously in the midst of a major rebuild to see what they do, what direction they go with all of that. But, you know, Jacksonville, I, again, I come back to this is a team that has not progressed. And I don't know if that's necessarily a coaching issue or if it is a talent issue. I tend to look at that defense and say it's a talent issue mostly. They don't – you know, they made some critical mistakes in who they drafted and they didn't get deep enough. And I look at the offense and say, you know, there's not enough – there's not a true number one receiver to help take pressure off Trevor Lawrence. And so no matter what happens, whether Jacksonville wins on – Sunday and, you know, takes control and gets into the playoffs or whether they lose, for them to become a real contender and take advantage of the Trevor Lawrence era, one way or the other, they have to get a lot better from a personnel standpoint. That's my belief. So no, I, I sort of say, you know, great. If they win, they get on a little hot streak, they can make things interesting in the AFC. Um, they're, they're still good enough to do that. But they're not as good as they should be and as they can be. And that they're – even at the end of the year, even if things go great, you have to step back and go, we need we need critical elements to this team to make it better.
1: Baltimore has home field in the AFC. Jason, San Francisco home field in the NFC. Does anybody go into either venue and beat those teams?
3: Um, yeah, both of them are susceptible. Um, to me, Baltimore has been a little less consistent, at, even at home. You know, the Cleveland game, you know, brings up some questions. Um, and so they can be a little bit more erratic than I think San Francisco will be at home. But overwhelmingly, I think both of them, you know, hold serve throughout the playoffs. Because Baltimore right now, is pl- they're, they're about as hot as you could possibly imagine a team. Yeah, you know, those last two victories, the one at San Francisco was just, you know, that was a bludgeoning. And then, um, why well, can't I, you know, they played a good team. Who did they play on? They on played Sunday? Miami
1: and beat them by 40. Yeah, and
3: they, yeah, they they took apart Miami. It just, you know, those are, you hang those two pelts on, and I'm. it's weird because I watched that whole Miami game, but Miami disappeared so fast that I forgot they were even on the field. But they were, you know, and Lamar Jackson has been so good um, these last couple of weeks and has really peaked in his own ability, which, A, I think solidifies him as the MVP. But more importantly, if Lamar Jackson is ever going to win a Super Bowl with Baltimore, like this is the perfect setup. He's throwing the ball as the best he's ever thrown it, you know, from an accuracy standpoint. I still think there are questions on him against tight defenses, but this is as good as, as I can imagine Lamar Jackson being on top of the fact that you have their defense as good as it can possibly be and does, you know, and constantly puts him in positive situations where, like, just get a field goal, we're fine. You know, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to press to get touchdowns every single time. And as a result, you know, they're one of the top offensive teams in the league, in a lot of ways because they're not forcing things on offense.
1: Final moments with Jason Cole. He's covered the league for years. He's been a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter for years, and I'll end with Fred Taylor. Jason, it was an enormous deal last week when Fred Taylor finally got into the room, as we call it. He's one of the 15 finalists. He will be discussed by you guys, the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters. Uh, Just a thought from you, a guy that's going to be in the room on Fred Taylor and him finally making the final 15?
3: If people people just remember watching Fred Taylor, like, you go, that was a Hall of Fame guy. If you analyze Fred Taylor and say, okay, tell me all the stats and tell me how he finished and tell me what he did. You know, he was hurt here and he was hurt there. And, you know, the end of his career was sort of in a backup role and this and that. If you pick it apart, you can make the case that Fred's borderline. If you remember Fred at his best, there ain't no question, <laughs> okay? Like, Fred Taylor at his best is a Hall of Fame guy. And he was up there for an awful long time. You know, you know when you think about it, yes, he had the injuries that took away from his career, but he still ended up, you know, with all the requisite numbers, and I mean, he's just—I still remember those two, a couple of games against Miami, and I remember the play. You know, other other critical moments for for the Jags. Or he was just so good, and so I've always wanted him to get in the room, just to say, guys, do you remember watching it? Do you remember the size and the speed? Do you remember the big plays? Do you remember the runs? And and just hopefully we we see the highlights again, and know, yeah, we can do that with anybody's career and and turn them into a Hall of Famer with the highlights. But there was still a specialness to his. Again, when you talk about a man who was that size, and I'm not the, not the biggest running back of all time, but certainly a requisite size guy, combined with that kind of speed that he had and ability to break tackles. It really was a breathtaking thing to watch Fred Taylor at his best. And I hope that that comes through in the room and gives him a real chance. I suspect my guess would be it's going to take a couple of years along the lines of what happened with Baselli, to get him through if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame ultimately. Um, But hopefully there's enough momentum built this year so that he keeps coming back into the room and that we keep having to discuss him at the very least, you know, maybe he makes it in and I'm a little bit surprised. I think that, you know, there's, if you look at the totality of this room, this is a lot of players who are very equal, um, who are very deserving. There's a lot of guys out you know, Dwight Freeney and Julius Peppers and, um, Antonio Gates, you know, really jump off the page at you. There's Jared Allen, all those guys, you know, were star quality guys. Um, who you can say there's no shame in those guys being in the Hall of Fame. There's no guys who you look at and say, eh, I don't, I don't really see it. And I've had some you know groups where it's like I don't see that guy making it. Um, but Fred's in that discussion. I think it's going to be hard for him to get past, you know, some of the issues we've been dealing with the last couple of years, like you know we're starting to get backlogged with three defensive ends. We're starting to get – we've been backlogged with wide receivers for a couple of years. I think there's probably going to be a pretty good push to get you know one of, at least one of Andre Johnson, Tory Holt or Reggie Wayne into the Hall of Fame because they've been sitting there for a while. Um so we will see how that goes. But if that happens, you know, that takes up one of the spots. And then now you're talking about, you know, only four spots being available. And it gets tougher and tougher for a guy like Fred the first time in the room to make it.
1: That's excellent insight. We appreciate that. And that was the thing with Baselli. as you said. He was on the semifinal list forever, and then he finally got into the room. And at least Fred this year will be discussed, and hopefully he gets in the room. If not this year, again next year and the year after. The one thing I will say, and we've talked about it, he is the only running back. I think Marshawn Lynch comes on next year, and then Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson come on. So if Fred doesn't get in this year or next, it may get a little tougher when Gore and Peterson come on the ballot, but we will certainly wait and see how it all plays out. Jason Cole, pro football Hall of Fame voter and one of our guys here on 1010XL. Jason, thank you for the inside, brother. We'll talk again soon.
3: Anytime. Enjoy the weekend. Take care.
1: And thank you to Jason Cole, pro football Hall of Fame voter, longtime reporter for the National Football League for joining us here on Hacker After Dark. Certainly an interesting perspective on the Jaguars and, of course, his comments about Fred Taylor as Jason will be in the room, right? He's one of the guys that will hear the argument for Fred Taylor, and he will be one of the guys casting his vote for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, that'll just about do it as we get into our big takeaway of the evening, and it's all about Nashville, Tennessee on Sunday. The Jaguars and the Titans, look, did we want it to come to this? Of course not. Did we think it would come to this? Of course not. But I've believed the entire year that the AFC South is the Jaguars division, and I believe finally on Sunday it will be the Jaguars division. I think Jacksonville gets it done. I do not think it will be easy. I think Tennessee is going to battle But I think Jacksonville will find a way to have more points on that scoreboard and will win their second straight division title for the first time since 1998 and 1999. And we will be getting ready for the NFL postseason here in Jacksonville next week. Give me the Jaguars over the Titans on Sunday in Nashville. Well, that'll just about do it. We got a lot of people to thank here for a Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Again, Jason Cole, a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. Appreciate Jason for taking time out. Thank you to Ben Arthur, FoxSports.com and the Fox Sports app covering the AFC South. Remember, you have a playoff game tomorrow night, Indianapolis and Houston. The winner is in, the loser is out, and the winner tomorrow night will be a big Tennessee Titan fan on Sunday. So thank you to Ben Arthur for joining us tonight. Thank you to my buddy Brad Steele, the Two-Tone Talk podcast covering the Tennessee Titans. Always appreciate Brad hopping on to give us the Titans perspective when it comes to the Jaguars and the Titans. And J.P. Shatterick, Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio. Stop by as we get you ready for the regular season finale Hopefully, it will not be the finale to the Jaguar season. Now, we will have a fifth quarter for you on Sunday, two hours after the Jaguars and the Titans go final. Join myself, the head coach Dave Campo, and the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy at Players Grill Mandarin on San Jose Boulevard. We will be there roughly from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock hopefully celebrating an AFC South championship. So join us, Players Grill on San Jose Boulevard in Mandarin on Sunday for the fifth quarter. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. And again, Jacksonville, thank you for spending not only your Friday evening with us but spending all week with us right here on Hacker After Dark. So for all of us here on HAD. Have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Friday evening. Have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you Sunday night on the fifth quarter, hopefully celebrating an AFC South division title. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.